Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Thanks for supporting the Fable and Folly Network. Here's another show we know you'll love. I got this really strange email last night. I need to see what's going on with this mystery file. Hey, it's a map of a town called Ocean Bay. Someone sent these images to you for a reason. I'm so lost right now. When was the last time you chose a direction and followed it? I'm going to Ocean Bay. We don't get many tourists this time of year. Ocean Bay is a friendly town, but we're not that friendly. I never sent you an email. I don't even know you. And why exactly are you here? The map is the reason we're here. Maps help when you're lost. Do you know what a trap street is? Trap streets aren't real. They don't exist. Don't trust anyone unless they give you a reason to trust them. I, I think he's dead. How could so much damage happen to a human body in such a short period of time? What the hell is going on here? From the creators of Strange Air, this is Trap Street. So maps can have secrets. Yes, maps can have secrets. Follow and hear new episodes of Trap Street anywhere you listen to podcasts. empty void. But then again, what should I expect? What? Oh, don't do that. Oh, where am I? Oh, am I dead? Is this all there is? I'm dead? Am I dead? Marianne. Am I dead? You blew up with the whale. And if I'm here and I'm dead, and you're here, then you're... No. No. I don't think we get a choice. It's not a choice. This is just my brain. It's all in my head. It's my brain. Your brain dying. No. No. Why is it so hard to believe this is the afterlife? I still have things to do. So did Lincoln. So did I. Yes, but my leglets are still in the wash. Who will scrub them if I'm gone? Besides all this, this afterworld, it's, it's too vague. It's... Then let's make it a garden. Lush. Tropical. An Eden. There. That better? Smell the grass. Does that get you... excited? Stop. You are a pervert. 
debauched with <laughs> And you. what were you? A power-crazed madwoman who tried to destroy the city? And your only friend. And even I didn't like you. I don't need friends. You need Eugene. You and him and your little business. I'm tired of this. I don't need to justify this to you. You're not even real. This is all in my head. How do you know? Because you only know what I know. You only spit my own doubts and fears back at me. Marianne, the real Marianne, wouldn't even care. So cruel. Maybe death's changed me. What's your mother's name? What? Your mother's name? I never knew it. You always just called her Mother Blood. I was even engaged to Hiram and he never said it. Not once. Because he knew that you'd just break Her his... name! Alice. Is it? If you don't know, then how would you know if I were lying? How do you know if I know what you don't know? Fine. You're not dead. Just close. Drowning. But I am from the ethereal realm. No, you're not. In Eden, there were all sorts of plants. One of these plants was eaten by Adam and Eve. The apple, yes, we all know. Not the apple. Before that, they ate all manner of plants. One vegetable held ambition. Eating it made them restless. It made them want. They couldn't settle. Nothing was ever enough. Ambition. Drive. The seeds of that vegetable caught in them, and they passed it down. Bits of that seed broke and stuck in them, in us. It's an alien body that drives us, that pushes us to want, to need more. If we could cut it out, we'd be happy. Sated. A lovely fairy tale. Yeah. Or is it? What if I could reach in you with my ghostly hands and pull that seed fragment from you? Pull out that want, and then you would be happy being a little nobody, living in a little nowhere place. The hunger, the restlessness would evaporate. You could settle for anything, and never want for more. I could be happy. Bliss. It's not possible. In the liminal ether, who's to say? It's not possible. Look. And Marianne reached out her hand, and as she did, the color drained from it until it was translucent. And as she closed the distance between her and Angus, a glow appeared. A glow from Angus's left side, first faintly, like a dim, far-off star, but then brighter and brighter. It yearns to be free of you, the seed of ambition, the restless peace of Eden in us. Yes. Free me of it. What? Say it again. Free me of it. <laughs> Never give you that satisfaction. I hope you choke it. And with that, Marianne kicked Angus hard in the chest. The blow reverberated through her body and jostled her with such a start that she snapped out of the other space she was in and stirred into consciousness. She was in a hospital bed. She gasped and tried to sit up, but dizziness kept her from too much movement. The room slowly came into focus. A doctor wrote notes as several nurses scurried this way and that. And then at the foot of the bed she saw Eugene, several ice packs strapped to him. Angus, you swallowed a lot of sewer water. Hold on. Something is. Hold on. Angus clumsily reached into her dress and pulled out a sewer loach. It wriggled out of her grasp and fell to the ground. Ew, 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 get rid of it, get rid of it, ew. <laughs> Damn sewer loaches. Should have found that fella. But we doctors don't like to poke around a lady's body too much. Lest we be 
tempted. Tempted? You're a doctor. But not a good one. Check back on you soon. What is that on my coat? Blood? Hmm. No. Bile? How'd I get here? Dora and Shandle fished you out of the sewer. Also, my brownstone burned down. Are you all right? It's quite the story. Apparently, I was wrapped in my Operation Auk blanket. That horrible thing? Yes. So much puff and urine and other terrible fluids, but it has so many memories. Still. Operation Auk was a mission Eugene commissioned where he would try to find any surviving great auks, which were large, flightless seabirds in the North Atlantic. They supposedly were hunted to extinction, but rumors of their survival persisted. Eugene and his small crew camped on rocky shores off the coast of Greenland. Because of the extreme cold, they would try to sleep as close to the campfire as possible. But Eugene was what's called a roly sleeper, and would often roll into the fire. Some say he was pushed by his crew, but those rumors are unsubstantiated. To deal with this, he took a heavy blanket and coated it in polybrominated diphenyl, which acted as a flame retardant and kept him safe from his forays into the fire. The blanket was used heavily during the expedition, and many local seabirds took a liking to it as a bathroom. The reason for this is unclear. Again, some blame the crew, but in the end, Eugene did find one great auk, and through a series of misadventures, he and the auk and his blanket ended up on an ice floe in the middle of the Atlantic. And though he loved birds so, survival was vital. And so, in his own words, Tears make the best bird gravy. He used the auk bones to make a small xylophone to keep him sane. Long nights under the stinky blanket, he'd bang on the bones and think of home. Eventually, the ice floe ended up in North Canada where Eugene was bitten by a walrus. But in the end, what matters is... That blanket is pretty much fireproof, but my floor wasn't. So while I was under the blanket, the floor gave way, and I fell into the basement. I was still asleep from the morphine, so I didn't even wake up. Also, my basement was used as an ice house because of, well, <laughs> you know. Mm, yeah, yeah, I know. I was unable to find out the reason during my research. The ice melted. Apparently, it helped to put out the fire. And they found me still sound asleep in a pool of tepid water. Yeah, that's lucky. They said it was practically impossible, which for me seems to be par for the course. But between the medication and the amount of smoke, I... <laughs> Inhalated, I don't remember anything after the football game. What about piecemeal? Did they find him? Who? His body was not recovered. It's me, the doctor again. I overheard your friends talking about it. I'm a bit of a nosy Nelly, but I'm sure he's dead. Usually, when you don't find a body, it's because he's dead, and not because he's secretly plotting his revenge. Now, let me just check you with this, um, what's it called? Stethoscope? That doesn't sound right. Stethoscope. Stethoscope. Stethoscope? Stethoscope. Nah. On a separate note, you wouldn't know how this thing works, do you? You are a terrible doctor. It's a terrible time. Now, I want to say open up. Does that make sense for this? You want to call yourself a doctor when you're that bad of a doctor? Luckily, Andrus was soon discharged from the lousy hospital and convalesced back at her home. She also let Eugene stay with her. It had the potential for a real wacky situation comedy, but let's not go there yet. Rather, while all these hospital antics played out, Shandel and Dora spent a lazy day in bed together. <laughs> oh, your oh. fingers are so cute and stubby. Oh, no, they're not. They're average length. <laughs> for an ashki, maybe. But ugh, 
I do enjoy them. <laughs> I can see in them the long history of dirt farming in your past. The old country sure had a lot of dirt, they say. <sighs> Let's never get out of this bed. What does it mean? It means I want to stay in bed. It was pretty self-evident. No, I, I mean this. You and me? Us? What are we? <laughs> the question is, what do you want us to be? I don't know. Why they me? It is as it is. Not everything needs a label. I'm not good with abstractions. I like labels. Uh, labels are good. You know what you get with a label. A label with a skull, don't drink it. A label with a cabbage, that means cabbage water, so you drink that. Ay, <laughs> I'm parched. Do we have any cabbage water? You need not fear this. Us, we are the same as any of them. People have been going to bed together since before bed. But two women? Plenty of two women. But not Jews. Plenty of Jews. Sarah Rosenbaum, the florist. <gasps> no. Uh, Sarah Greenblatt, the butcher's daughter. Sarah, no. Also, Sarah Steinberg and Dorna. What? <clears throat> Lots of Sarahs. <laughs> this whole time? They were there, just living their lives. We're not golems or dibooks or duende. Besides, there is no form so beautiful as that of a woman. I never really... For me, it's not the form so much as it's the mind. The person, I just never felt connected like I do with you. Except one time with Yankel from Riverdale, but that's because we got stuck together with glue. They had to get a ruler and really pry. It was such a shanda. I get either. Oh, no. But it's not the same. There's still... More we can do. Oh, for the election. <laughs> I was talking of flesh, but we can talk politics. I enjoy both. Have we found out when the election is? No, but I have some leads. They've shuffled polling locations three times. I have a friend who knows the ballot makers, but they were forced to work blindfolded. And it was said if they said anything, they'd have their tongues cut out. Ugh, their tongues. <laughs> yeah, you know, standard Tamani Babajadas. Republicans prefer breaking thumbs. So, you know. They haven't attacked me. They don't see you as a threat, even though they should. They've turned on each other in the meantime. Standard political violence. Liberty caps full of nickels, broken knees, mustaches being pulled, stages set on fire. Regular political stuff. Well, when the day comes, I will try my best to win. And that's the Shandell promise. Aren't you friends with the governor? His endorsement would be very helpful. Oh, no. No, we're not friends. It's more, uh, we solved an exploding whale work situation thing. We should really get back to work. How about breakfast first? Sure. Where do you want to go? I just thought we could eat in. Oh? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Dora. <laughs> they fall back into bed. Days pass. Eugene and Angus tend to their wounds. Sewer water is flushed. Bruised ribs heal. Things seem to be moving ahead. The famed detective Hawthorne P. Westwood sent word. I hope this note finds you healing. My time is up here. The Prune Consortium recalled me to Chicago. They expected better results, but Onesimus has hidden their crimes well. I can't carry your dead weight any longer. I do hope one day to prove once and for all how much smarter I am than you and everyone, even more than usual. 
I also have a large tab at Delmonico's restaurant. I've sent the debt collector your address. You're a boss. Hawthorne P. Westwood. Hawthorne's departure didn't seem to bother Angus and Eugene too much. They let the Onesimus case drop as they took on a few new clients. The Fable and Folly Network supports creators of exceptional audio stories, including the one you're listening to right now. If you love our shows, we want to hear from you. Complete our listener survey at fableandfolly.com survey. This will help us learn more about you, what you like, what you'd like to hear more of, and how we can maintain an inclusive, safe atmosphere. As a thank you for your participation, we have extras and behind-the-scenes content from your favorite shows. Fans make the network what it is. Thanks for listening, and we can't wait to hear from you. Find our listener survey at fableandfolly.com survey today. Meanwhile, at the governor's office, Theodore Roosevelt considered his own reflection. Ooh, you are a handsome devil. That football game really got the calisthenic juices flowing. Put me right back on the athletic path. Oh, I must be ten pounds lighter. Well, I must look my best when I cut the ribbon for the fair of past and future. That would be something. Who is that handsome governor? Who is that handsome governor? Oh, who is that handsome governor cutting the ribbon? Oh, who could that attractive man be? Bully! I bet I'd even fit in my old big stick outfit. Let me see. Roosevelt pushed a button below his desk, and the bookshelf slid to the side, revealing his stick in costume. Oh, look at that beautiful stitching. And the mask, pure leather. Oh, we had a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Beat up a lot of bad guys. A lot of bad guys. But I'm the governor now. I've got real issues on my plate, like the Mazet investigation. Budgets, reports. It's not an easy job like being police commissioner. Politics and crime fighting aren't a classic combination like mutton and gravy, or mutton and jelly, or mutton and goo, or mutton and mutton, the classic double mutton sandwich where mutton is the bread and the mutton. I love mutton. Ain't nothing like mutton. Ooh, that's a good one. I should send that into Snappy Saying Magazine. But see, I'm so busy coming up with zingers and budgets that I can't be out there Braining brigands with a stick. Politics is my stick now. The pocket veto is my mask. The appointments to the finance committee my costume. And my press conferences are my codpiece. And what a big codpiece it is. Bursting, overflowing with promise. It is time I find an heir. Someone who can stick where I used to stick. I will find you. The next stick. The stick of tomorrow. Sir... We're still waiting for you to sign the bridges, Bill. Ah, ah. I'm your gubernatorial aide. You were here the whole time? Yes. You saw the stick? Yes. You heard my pontifications? Yes. Uh, Will you keep my secret? Uh, Sure, I really don't care. This was supposed to be my day off, but Marvis got sick with pig cough from the pig kissing contest, and here I am. How do you feel about mutton? I am... Pro-mutton. Then reserve my table at Keen's. We're getting mutton. And so they went to Keen's Steakhouse and ate giant quantities of mutton. But Roosevelt was still worried about his secret, so he put some amnesia potion on the aide's mutton. But what he didn't realize was that there's no such thing as amnesia potion. It was arsenic, and the aide got very sick and had to go recover in a sanitarium upstate, where he met a young girl, fell in love, and got married. He never found out Roosevelt poisoned him, but he did run for local office and become mayor of New Paltz. And that ends his story. So let us never think of him again. 
Instead, let's return to a secret room below the offices of Onesimus Sweets Corporation, where Cato Beach is meeting with piecemeal. Oh, this time, I'm still soggy from the sewers. Huh. You took your sweet time answering my signal. Oh, I'm a free spirit. <laughs> I go where the wind takes me. Well, I did not hire you to whim about like some will-o'-the-wisp. You might be my patron, but you don't own me, man. You should know being... You know. <laughs> oh, I know. They never let me forget it. But you remember this. I invested in you. I wanted you to create a personal home vaudeville where people would watch shows by themselves, keeping them secluded and entertained without needing to leave their abodes. But it failed. It's a bit of a mad concept. Home entertainment systems. <laughs> I also heard that the fleas you imported went coming. It is best to invest broadly. Gotakavat lapidem. Even pipe dreams pay off at times, and I do enjoy supporting the arts. Not that you create much art. Oh, I'm working on a big happening. <laughs> a great, living, immersive theater piece that I shall unleash at the fair. And like we agreed. Oh, about that. It's canceled. The fair? Uh, you. What? You can't. I am ahead of schedule. My experimental molasses works is churning out all manner of innovative confections. Oh, if you could only see them. The pavilions are nearly complete. I have the governor in my pocket, thanks to your little stunt. You bumped me with the football. That was not part of the plan. You had guns. We said no guns. <laughs> guns! Guns are fizzing, baby. I am not an infant. Oh, I'm not... I'm trying to use slang now. Slang. Uh, Artists are always among the gutter slangers. I figure if I can get a phrase to work that'll be, uh, be a legacy, it would be toads on a log. <laughs> toads on a log means, um, it means very nice. What? No, it doesn't. It could. It should. Oh, you are going from derivative to just annoying. Oh, I could snap your neck. And what would you do, huh? Do not insult me. <laughs> you want to try me? I will unravel you stitch by stitch, but keep your head intact, except for your mouth, which I shall remove with rusty pliers until the hole shut with burlap thread. You'll bear witness as each of your body parts fall into a pile, and then I shall feed them one by one to the ugliest hog I can find. Your head will live long enough for you to watch your body turn to nothing but porcine feces. Then I will take your pointless, annoying head, slather it with honey, and find the angriest, most famished fire ants on the continent and let them slowly finish you off. And this is what the first draft of an idea of how to deal with you. Hmm. Yow! Oh, you, you, you are an angry guy. Angry guy. I am an ambitious optimist. I am to fix the world, and any in my way will be eliminated. Though I rarely stoop to vulgarity, let me say it plainly. Do not fuck with an optimist. 
If you're so thorough, then how is that Eugene and Anger's pair still out there? <laughs> well, fools are hard to kill, but I have one last adventure plan for them. One that if it doesn't kill them, will at least remove them from my hair. And what about me? What do I do? My collection of art supplies is almost complete. I am ready to create. Ah, uh, sure you are. Look, create whatever you must. Just do it away from me and my fair of past and future. You regret getting off the piecemeal train. Huh. Oh, I'm going to produce the greatest American... No, no, no. The great world masterpiece. You'd think Leonardo da Vinci was eating onions the way he'll cry over how much less his works are compared to me. He has been dead over 380 years. It was a metaphor! Hmm. <clears throat> Explain to me what you think a metaphor is. Oh, you just don't get it, do you? It's toads on a log. Toads are soon. The name on everyone's lips will be Piecemeal, the Patchwork Man. <laughs> Lesson learned. Never hire a reanimated corpse. But now my rather overly complicated plan is ready. Is it too intricate? Hmm, perhaps. But I do have a touch of the Rococo. And now I need some cocoa. And with that, Cato headed to Angus and Eugene's office. The Land Whale Murders is a Roy Gold production. It was written by Jonathan A. Goldberg with music by Matt Roy Berger. It was directed by James Oliva and mixed by Martin D. Fowler. Editing help by Hannah Fairchild. To learn more about the show, visit landwhalepod.com. But don't type in manpalebod.com because, oh boy, there's not enough eye bleach in the world. Yipes. So pallid. So, so pallid. Anyway, stay sticky and always toffee toward pudding. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. What? How do you feel about Martin? <laughs>